Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Amanda Stevens. How did I get here? Oh, I mean, we, we asked you. Oh. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I mean, you came through that portal on our, on our playmat. Uh, uh, yeah, welcome. Uh, Amanda is uh, guesting with us this week to talk about some magical things, and uh, we'll get to all that, but we have a couple announcements to start us off. Uh, God, Jay really making us be a marketing department, huh? Well, I mean, he didn't get to talk about it on the last episode. (laughs) For some reason, he just refused to say anything about it, even though it was already announced by the time the episode came out. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Jay has a new book coming out uh, in December, I believe, uh, Magic the Gathering, The Visual Guide. Uh, if if you remember, Jay has published uh, two smaller art books, um, part of a kind of a previous little line looking at uh, Planeswalkers and Planes. And uh, this time, this is kind of a, like just kind of a general introduction, introduction, I can pronounce words, on this oral medium. Uh, to Magic the Gathering, looking over basically all the worlds and uh, planeswalkers uh, that are relevant to the game with a, a lot of information. This is a much bigger and longer uh, art book than his previous entries, and uh, we appreciate Jay and congratulate him for his continued authorship of these things. Uh, it is currently pre-orderable. Um, did I say release date? December. You said like December, yeah. Hell Yeah. I have ADHD and I forgot already. Uh, yeah, and so that's going to be neat. And so definitely check that out if you are a uh, a lover of physical media like I am. That is a, a must-own, hardbound art book. Sit on your coffee table, read cover to cover, shove in your friends' faces when they ask things about magic lore type books. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. I mean, like, I like all of Jay's books, especially if they have my name in the back of them. um, this one is this one looks really really good i'm really happy and excited about it because it's gonna be like a a little a little bible of magic lore um also other things to be excited about is we have our play mats they've arrived they're showing up in people's mailboxes or packages on your front stoop i uh i got like mine yesterday with the like normal stitched edges and they messed up and sent me plain edge ones so i have a bunch of them just they look really good though yeah, they are. God, I'm so happy. Uh, again, uh, super thankful. Shout out to Andre Garcia for uh, that piece. Like it just it turned out so good, and the playmat looks so good. And uh, thank you to everyone who's bought one already. Uh, but we have some extras. Um, and so uh, if you have not gotten a playmat yet, and it is something you are interested in purchasing. Uh, you can DM Jay if you are on Discord, then that's easier. Uh, if not, uh, Twitter at J13X. Uh, they're going to be $20 plus shipping. Uh, I don't remember what Jay said about outside the U.S. shipping, but, you know, don't be afraid to ask him what's up with that. I think that is kind of uh, his plan for uh, that right now. It's great that he's not here this week. No shade to Jay, <laughs> but... <laughs> we can um, say whatever we want we want about it he'll take care of it it's fine <laughs> yeah uh uh 
but yeah, those were really great. It's really fun having uh, uh, another set of playmats out there, and uh, they're really not like I. I literally uh, who who we go we got Legion to to print these and fulfill mm-hmm. these. They are really good quality. I really like these. Um, I, if we ever do like a third playmat, like I definitely want to want to get uh, these printed with them again. I'm really happy with these. Yeah, I um I'm definitely gonna like tell people if you live in the Atlanta area uh, and you want to play Matt, like I know for some reason there's just a bunch of Orthoses around here. Uh, hit me up on Twitter or Discord and we'll work something out because I have some extras here for local people. Uh, I will ship them if absolutely necessary, but I've got a handful of them just to pass out. But uh, we, should, is... yeah, we should move on to yep. the, the main story. And before we do that, uh, Amanda, you should tell us more about yourself. Hi, I'm Amanda Stevens. I am a former level one magic judge. I've been playing Magic the Gathering probably since around 94. Um, those of you who follow me on Twitter know that, and, or have seen me on like, I don't know, Spike Feeders or Tulare Community College, know that I'm a Simic apologist. Um, and by that, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Simic denier. Uh, Oko did nothing wrong. There was nothing wrong with Hydroid Crisis or Uro. Y'all are just really salty mages. Um, and when I'm not lying about the power of Simic and Magic the Gathering, I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion professional in gaming. Currently, I am the charity stream coordinator for Trans Lifeline, the only trans peer-to-peer hotline in North America, and I've just taken on a diversity and inclusion consultant position uh, with Space Cal Media, otherwise known as EDH Rec, Commander's Herald, and Fabrec, because uh, there's some other card game, Flesh and Blood or something, who knows? I can't keep track of them. Hell yeah, that's all all great stuff. Welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, so when 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 uh when we were talking about uh what we were gonna do with the show, uh we uh yeah, I believe you uh did you talk to Jay? Is Jay the one who set all this up? Yeah, I had I uh, tweeted out, hey, more people should have me on their magic podcasts. And Jay oh, yeah, was we, like, we, Hey, do you want to be on Vorthos Cast? And I was like, Well, I only really know about like one very succinct part of magic lore, uh-huh. like the back of my hand. Uh, and then everything else is like a blur. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of magic lore. Some of it's very good. Some of it's very bad. I grew up with the novels. They are a mixed bag. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we had that talk with Ethan a couple of weeks ago. Look, uh-huh. I, I love every now and then just cracking open to a page inside the Invasion Saga and being like, that's a series of sentences stringed together to make a paragraph and on a page printed by somebody yeah. as an actual book. Yeah. Book is being charitable. We are, we are <laughs> almost at the point in our in our Dominaria recap stuff where I get to dunk on Invasion Block again. I did I did it like two years so ago. So in fairness, hold on. Great. In fairness, before <laughs> before we get to my favorite part of Dominaria lore, the invasion part uh now that I'm somebody who like is addicted to Final Fantasy fourteen, it, uh-huh. it, it kind of feels for those of you who are listening who play Final Fantasy fourteen, Invasion Block was supposed to be like their version of Endwalker. Like we're gonna culminate a bunch of years of magic history of like magic story into this one pivotal pivotal war where we're even gonna have like a Judas allegory and mechs and a zombie army. And uh, there was just way too much going on. Like, it, it seemed like way mm-hmm. too many people in the story department, like, had an idea as to how that war should look like. 
and nobody said no. You know, I think... <laughs> I, I love it for what it is, but it's, like, very clear that, like, whatever was going on in those brainstorming meetings, like, nobody was like, hey, this seems like a lot. Personally, right? I think uh, Judas should have had a mech. Did he, he have did. a mech? He, he did! did. He and it killed he replaced, him. We, he replaced Teferi. No, no, I mean, I mean, in, in the Bible, Judas, oh. Judas should have had a Mac. It would have made things way more interesting. Oh, no. I don't know oh, how we respond to that, so. I mean, look, okay, Jesus could have had a mech, too. You know what? Actually, we should just, we should just have Neon Genesis Evangelion be the Bible. Well, that's, oh, oh, oh. if you're going, ooh, ah. wow. I was so ready to move on, and then you said you said the <laughs> anime title of like my favorite anime ever, and but I'm gonna be really so good. So Hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the point was that uh, all this time was all very serendipitous uh, and and very destined to happen because uh, yeah, your focus on uh, the thing you love about Dominarian history is out here, which puts us like perfectly in our little schedule of doing uh, our, our kind of review of Dominarian history. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm happy all this worked out like so really perfectly. Um, and so uh, to today's whole episode, uh, at least from this point on, uh, when we're not talking <laughs> about uh, mech oriented Bible stories or <laughs> Shilling J who is not here um, is going to be about Zalfir Um and uh, largely uh, the Africa the of Dominaria parts of its huh? Is it the Africa of Dominaria? Yeah, uh, Dominaria has this thing where every set was set on Dominaria, but every set was also doing something new. So Dominaria gets to be like Ice Age Viking world and Africa world and stained glass religious knights and stuff world and and, and what like pit fighter world. Pit Fighter World. Uh, Man, there was so much. And the downsides of time travel. <laughs> Did you mention the little, Gun like, world? little like Japan World? Question. Yeah, the Talon Gates. No, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. I forgot yeah, about so, the Talon Gates. Whoops. Madara. Uh, yeah. 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 Madara just being little Kamigawa. Um, <laughs> and we know why now. Yeah. Uh huh. But back then um, it made no sense. But now it makes total sense. Uh, and it's and it's not even the only diaspora population from another plane on Dominaria, one of which we're going to talk about today, but we'll get there later. Um, and so, yeah, and and so uh, Zalfir is a a nation on uh, the continent of Jamora, the largest continent uh, that kind of just straddles Dominaria's equator. It's mostly empty because it's mostly desert. Uh, and basically anything that happens on Jamora takes place in this very tiny northwestern tip of the continent, um, where basically all the people live, uh, for the, for the most part, at least. Uh, and, uh, it, it is most notable for a event called the Mirage War, uh, and also being where Teferi is from, because he does a lot of stuff here. Really, I forget, you know, man, it, it's like, it's like his card says Mage of Zalfir on it. Mm -hmm. uh, wow, I forgot. I forgot where he was from. <laughs> uh, he, like... Yeah, I guess saying he's from here kind of undersells the part where he, like, structured the entirety of Zalfir and magical society. Uh, and 
and was like the archmage of the entire nation and which is super weird uh right because like i'm writing an article about blackness and magic uh to an extent Uh and if you read Mm -hmm. magic flavor text um you get a few different ideas about teferi right you get that he's like Mm -hmm. the hood rat at at teleria academy whether they meant to do that or not, but, like, a lot of the cards about him in Solaria Academy are about him, like, being a disruptive student and breaking shit and, like, just being a pain. And a bully. And a bully. But then you, like, read the story from that part, and they're like, oh, by the way, we forgot to say on the cards that he's, like, wildly gifted. Uh Uh-huh. And then you get to, like, the Mirage world, and he's, like, the magical Negro, um, but also, like, accidentally faced out an entire island. And, uh, we just don't talk Oops. about that because, you know, whoopsie-doopsie, like, things happen. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's really, it, this is why I used to hate, uh, go, looking backwards, why I hate, like, old magic lore. Because there was such a mm-hmm. disconnect between, like, what you put on flavor text and, like, what they were talking about in the stories. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Teferi's a prime example of that. That he, like, in the story, he, like, does all of this, like, important stuff on Zulfir. He, like, organizes, like, how uh, everything's going to work. He, like, really pushes for them to be, like, this really technological, technologically advanced uh, city-state? Country? Uh, right? Because, like, Faramith split off from Zulfir. So, I guess, city-states. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but in the cards, it's just like, yeah, this guy's, like, really into himself and time magic and uh, doesn't actually understand how he does it. And so, yeah, by the way, phasing as a mechanic, we have to continu- continuously attribute to him because he, uh, he done fucked up a, a, a little bit. Just, just a smidge. <laughs> you know, time bubbles aren't that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and it's, re- it's really interesting, like, the just... Maybe interesting isn't the right word. A lot of that, I think, is a consequence of Teferi was added to magic as an adult in, in this era. Um, and then we got his appearances as a child afterwards when the Urza Block novels were coming out. Um, and, and so all the childhood stuff was kind of tacked onto um, all this really old lore that didn't have a lot of uh, things established beyond the flavor text. Um, and then by the time we get to Time Spiral, like, so many different things about the character had been had existed and uh um trying trying to net Teferi's an old character who has a lot written about him, is what I'm saying. And and that has led to uh what's the best way to put it? Complicated characterizations over time through 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 a bunch of multi-authored stories. Yeah, I think one of the big problems is that like I I think Watsi has done a better job over the years of kind of figuring out what color identities mean as personality traits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Baron has a lot of the same problems that Teferi has, right? He's supposed to be, <laughs> like, a powerful blue mage, and so, like, arrogance seems to be, like, a really big, like, fixture of that archetype from, like, the older magic characters. Like, blue is, like, very, like, ivory tower, arrogant... Um, not very good with, like, emotions and all of this stuff. And, like, I, we've kind of gotten better about that mm-hmm. since then. Yeah, a, a lot of, like, I think a lot about the creation of uh, Urtai during the Weatherlight Saga as the, hey, we have, like, a lot of kind of uh, assholey quotes on counterspells that have kind of become a, a counterspell flavor text tradition. Uh, and we want a character that embodies that. And Urtai gets created, and then he just sucks he's the worst dude um and that kept happening 
Uh, Jace gets victimized by that a bit uh, when, you know, in, in the early post-Mending era when the Planeswalkers as people and characters aren't super well-defined. Um, and uh, yeah, a, a lot of work has been done, um, not just to, to tighten up um, the, the way colors and personalities interact uh but specific characters teferi himself has gone through a lot of changes the the teferi we see now is a a lot more humble and wise and experienced um than any of these teferis we're going to be talking about today oh yeah Um, (laughs) thank you martha wells for writing a very nuanced and like interesting portrayal of teferi yeah so I have a question for y'all, because, you know, I, yeah. before before we started recording, uh, it turned out that I'm probably the person, uh, one of the people that, like, knows the most about, like, older lore, because some of y'all started with, like, <laughs> Origins. So, what what do you guys think of when you hear of Zalfir and, like, the Dremora continent? Like, what, what did you know before today? So, I'm, I'm like, the, the lore baby here, where mo- my most, like, in-depth knowledge of lore is basically origins forward with some like little tidbits behind there that I like really enjoyed. Um, for me, Zalfir has basically not existed since, since I really like got into lore because it popped out of existence in invasion block and just never came back. Um, so most of my experience with Zalfir and like the, the other Fimrith and Sukata is like, based off of the little bit I know about the Mirage Wars, um, some of the characters there, and, like, that's about it. <laughs> because it's kind of just been gone since I uh, since I really got deep into Magic War. Here's hoping it comes back, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's been one of my hopes for a long time. Right behind Cough coming back. <laughs> Hashtag Cough Watch. Um, but I, I guess... A lot of my history goes like I, I I actually own and can actually look over on my desk and see all of the novels going back through the dark. Oh wow, like, you have more than I do. Yeah, I have most of the magic novels up through um, the first Ravnica visit, and I kind of because basically I was going to college at that time, and I was in this small podunk town in North Georgia. Oh, actually, where uh. The other MTG is is from where her district. Oh, um, fun! Oof. Yeah, yeah. So there wasn't a lot of magic there, so I, I kind of fell off of my magic lore around that time. Um, so I and I came back on return to Ravnica. So there's this huge gap from original Ravnica through return to Ravnica where I'm not as super adept. But I, I, bud, you missed Test of Metal. I own it. Um, <laughs> Why? Yeah, that that that's the question, Lorelai. That is the question. Because um, I, I, after I came back in Return to Ravica, I decided to to buy some of the books, and I was like, "Why? What is this?" It's, yeah. So I, I I but my my knowledge is mostly from the, the the blocks that I enjoyed the most, which are everything leading up to the invasion, like basically the the heart of the invasion. Storyline going back through uh, Sky Shroud and like basically Weatherlight and through Onslaught Block are my favorite parts of Magical Story. So then you're pretty tuned into Salfir. Yeah. All right, all right. And Lorelai, I know that you seem to be uh, uh, just a general magic. You have some love for invasion, it sounded like. 
Uh, well, so, but my personal opinions on how how arcs and stories and characters and whatnot exist is like a a separate thing from the fact that as a contractor, I have a lot of general knowledge and and there's just a lot of things I have to research and know. Um, but uh, Zalfir is one of the places that I haven't focused a whole lot on. Um, there are bits and pieces, um, you know, there were, uh, I think we had at least like one Zalfir specific card in, uh, the first Modern Horizons. Um, and I've, I've written to Fairy a couple times. Um, but, uh, and I, I don't know, the, like the one, the one piece of Zalfirian lore, um, I guess Jamoran lore in general, uh, that always kind of blew me away was uh, the love song of night and day, which appears in snippets uh, on uh, various cards from uh, cards or something. Yeah, uh, th- mostly through Mirage and Visions, uh, but I think we got a new edition in um, Modern Horizons. Yeah, um, uh, you know they they are ec- excerpts from a uh, kind of a, a poetic love song. Uh, that was just created as an internal document. Um, it's been uh, since been published on uh, the Magic website. Uh, but when working on Mirage, one of the people doing creative design for the set just wrote that uh, and took a bunch of excerpts from it for flavor text. Uh, and it has just existed, you know, for a long time existed as a full document unknown to the public and then was eventually released. And uh, there used to be to a lot of debates like on uh, what the order was. Uh huh. Everybody had their own thought on what the order should be. Mm-hmm. Especially because a lot of those uh, excerpts are like you know sometimes just half a sentence. Yeah. Um, with an ellipsis, and and so a lot of that is vague. Um, but that's like one of the cool things about flavor text, right? Is that you get to like doing something like that, and flavor text gives people like something to engage with on that level. Um, but uh, that 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 is one of the lore things, just from like a design standpoint, that I've always really liked about this part of Dominaria. So uh, for me, I think before we kind of like start talking about like history of Mora, <laughs> uh, is I really like the Mirage block because there was a lot of black people on Magic cards. Um, mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, uh, you know we kind of alluded to this that you know Dominaria is this massive plane that was designed more like a planet than the way that we think of planes nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. And so every few sets, you know, took place on an entire continent, still within the general context of Dominaria, because, you know, continents uh, need to exist somewhere in relation to other places. But Jamora was our Africa-Arabian area. And that meant that if they were to stick to that, there had to be black people on magic cards, which was not really a thing before that. There were a couple black people, and there haven't been a... And then after... Uh, Morales, they're like, what are a black, what's a black person? We can make, we can make like a thousand orcs and elves, but like black people, I don't know, like maybe, they they all just exist on Jamora. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then the Teferi blinked all the populated parts of Jamora out of existence. So uh, then there was no more black. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like uh, Mirage and, and Visions had like a really, like a lot of black people in art, a lot of, like clear like this is a a black person and then after that it kind of went away in magic art for a really long time and And it's only been recently that we've been starting to get like an actual like you know diversity of characters back in magic art 
Yeah, it's re- it's really weird because like for as as a black person who was like really into magic, it it was definitely very welcoming, right, for me to like start to see like a, a, a set that's just like black people, black people everywhere, black people as knights, black people as mages, black people mm-hmm. as like rich people, and like all of this stuff. And I was like, damn, all right, let's let's go let's go this this block, and uh, that that is where my obsession came from, uh, mm-hmm. my my little nation of Wakanda. I mean, Sophia. <laughs> Might as well have been because that that Salfir's claim to fame is, or outside of Teferi, is being the super technologically advanced and militarily advanced as well um, nation on on Dominaria, and it's meant to take the brunt of the Phyrexian invasion until the Fairy's like, "Nah, fam, we're, we're good. We don't need that." Yeah, I mean, it's really funny. I know we're like skipping ahead on on like on like. Uh, timelines. I don't know if that happens very often on the Vorthos cast. I'm gonna it assume does. it's my. I'm gonna assume it's my chaos energy, um, and nope. I'm gonna take full. <laughs> but Zalfir was like, Teferi like went to Zalfir and was like, "Hey, so like the Phyrexians are coming," and like didn't really explain what a Phyrexian was. And Zalfir, being like one of the mightiest nations in all of Domnair, is like, "Yo, we have." Power, we have power stone plants. We know magic better than the rest of y'all. Um, we got this. And Deferi was <laughs> like, um, no, no, we do. No, we in fact do not got this. And Urza's like, but y'all gotta fight. Like, all of our power plants are here. And Deferi was like, alright, I'm gonna be real with you. You and Baron have been dicks to me since childhood. Nope. I mean, he left them the the the, the Thran, uh, or what's we call it? It was a rig that was movable, so he, they had that wander off. Yeah, they, they, and they, they, he he left he them, but he also sword. left them like half of it. <laughs> if I remember correctly, he was like, "All right, uh, I'm I'm done with you, white people nonsense. I am taking my civilized black nation, and uh, we're just gonna phase out, and um, we'll come back, and either you know that scene in Austin Powers." Where they thaw him, and he's like, uh, thank you, comrade. I love communism. And they're like, Austin, we won the war. And he's like, oh, great, I hate those commie bastards. <laughs> I feel like that was Teferi's plan. Like, Zalfir <laughs> like, <the laughs> comes back, and he's like, hail Phyrexia. And then he's like, oh, wait, we won. I mean, man, you know, it's a shame we weren't here to fight alongside the rest of the Dominarian people. But Dominaria forever. So, uh, we should, we should, like, talk a little bit about, like, the world of Zalfir sure. from Ref and Sukata, because we covered it, like, very, very, like, basically when we did our World of Dominaria episode, mm-hmm. uh, episode 210, if anyone's listening. Jeez, you remember the episode titles? Uh, I remember them or because I spend numbers. a lot, I spend a lot more time listening to and, uh, looking at this podcast than I think anyone else does. So, yes, That's I fair. remember, um. And we talked a little bit about Jamora, but we didn't, I think we like kind of glossed over it because we knew that we would be coming back to it later. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, tell me wise people of the knowledge who have the knowledge of, of old lore. Uh, what is Zalfir? What, what is, I'll, I'll take Zalfir. I'll, I'll, I'll leave, uh, Femref and Sabata to somebody, to other people, but, uh, Zalfir is essentially Wakanda. Um, we know that they are, that it's, uh, predates the Ice Age, that it survived the Ice Age pretty much intact, and that's because it was like nowhere near the Silex Blast. Uh, 
highly advanced in magic. Uh, for those of you who don't listen to the show regularly or don't know a lot about Dominaria, uh, Dominaria's uh, way mana works on that plane comparatively to like some other planes is uh, mana is like super centralized, right? Like you got a lot of white mana on the Null Moon and Banalia and like touches of white mana on other areas. Uh, Jamara, for whatever reason, seemed to be pretty poppin' with just mana in general. And they understood mana theory, as in, like, this type of mana is this alignment, so on and so forth. Uh, they were ruled by a monarchy, which is why Urza tried to play some nonsense, uh, and just kind of go over our, our good boy Teferi's head. And then there were the five guilds that were founded by Teferi, because, hey, you know, this guy went to Telerian... I was gonna say community college, and then I realized... Uh, went to the Telerian Academy and was like, hey, this is some good shit. I'm going to take this home. You know, bring it back to the peoples. Uh, all the guilds are trained in magic, but they're all specialized magic. So we had the Civic, which were the magistrates, the Shapers, which were artificers and wizards, uh, Shadow, which was the Fenari clerics, uh, Burial of the Dead, and Appeasement of Ancestors, the Armorers, which weaponsmiths, and then the Grangers, which were feeding the populace, you know, our sort of, I guess... Magical agriculture? Sure. I mean, yeah. Uh, when 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 you live on the edge of a desert uh, and have a large technologically advanced population, growing a lot of food, uh, making yourself an economic superpower that way is a good way to do it, I guess. Yeah, and uh, like I've said a few times, they were basically the most advanced civilization on Dominaria since the Thran. I think it's like a very fair statement that like some of these other countries and city-states on Dominaria, uh, they were playing with, like, sticks and twigs still. Looking at you, Benalia. Uh, yeah, yeah, one of, one of the things in our notes is that they had mana theory long before Teresier did. Uh, a thing we'll talk about uh, when we get to Brothers War later this year is is how um, the, the people on Teresier, like, rediscovered that the five colors of mana exist and that you can use them to cast magical spells. Uh, this is a thing that people in Zelfia were just already doing at the time and had been doing for a while. Yeah, um, and so Zalfir, pretty great. But then, uh, some things happened, and, uh, you know, a part of Zalfir decided to, you know, text us a bit, and, uh, seceded from <laughs> Zalfir. Anybody want to everyone talk about the, the, the Texas of, uh, of Jamora? <sighs> Uh, yeah, so so Femaref is um, one of the remaining locations on Jamara in modern day, uh, but at the time was like uh, had had a a, a lot of Jamoran religions focused on sun themed worship and reverence, um, and Femaref very specifically uh, has a lot of focus on um, kind of the the life giving and. Uh, um, there's a word. It's that's on my tongue, and I don't know what it is. You're you're definitely looking at the wrong person. Um, it's it's not part. Uh, anyway, they they took uh, a lot a lot of issue with um how uh Teferi's shadow guild was dealing with the dead and ancestor worship. Uh, and they're like, mm, we're not about this. We would like to have our own little theocratic nation state. Um, and so they did. Um. They're ruled by a council called Voices. Um, Jay, I know you wrote these notes, but I don't know what Sunclasp in parentheses means. Like, he's talking about, there's an actual card named Sunclasp. And it, you actually see the iconography of the... Ah. Yeah. Huh. 
I will great. I will pull it up, and you can keep talking, and I will. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Got it. Teamwork uh, it is, makes it is... the dream work. <laughs> um, sorry, I didn't remember this uh, common aura from Visions. <laughs> well, in fairness, that like, so I remember that I put out on Twitter that I was looking for um, any sort of like, because I know that there's a lot of African um, inspiration from the uh, Jamora continent, and uh, something that's mm-hmm. like very. Uh, consistent in African cultures is that certain patterns are linked to certain mm-hmm. areas of Africa, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a lot of African fabric patterns that you see on uh, African clothing, like dashikis, right? Certain patterns you mm-hmm. wouldn't see in uh, Egypt that you would see in, like, South Africa. And that's just because of regional stuff. Right. So I was asking if any of the, the Borthos on Twitter knew if... Uh, there was, if there was that sort of consistency in the magic art of Zalfir, uh, and Thunref and Spada for this episode, and everyone was like, uh, not really, but there is the Sunclasp, and I was like, <laughs> cool, but that's like a religious symbol, and not really a fabric pattern, so, mm-hmm. cool, 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 cool. Uh yeah the 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 big important part of Femref is is mostly that they have this kind of theocratic sun worship um that is a a different flavor of things from the rest of Jumora um and uh mostly that for for modern uh Jumora that they are kind of the center of culture on the continent now that Zelfir isn't there for some reason that we've definitely talked about, but we haven't officially gotten to in the timeline, so we don't know where I, it is yet. Man, <laughs> how, how an entire continent could, uh, country can disappear. Who knows? Um, yeah, and then the, uh, the kind of uh, Arabic diaspora um, uh, nation uh, of uh, Sukkata um, which is uh, a bunch of transplants from the plain of Arabia um, who came to Dominaria. They're led by a vizier. They exist. Um, they have never been like major players in any of the story content, um, but they are uh, kind of uh, representative of um, some of those um, words. Word order just got jumbled in my head. Uh, kind of the Arabic influence that has kind of spread through North Africa. They were they were kind of Magic's version of that. Uh, it's also important to point out that all these uh, different nations were all very uh, portrayed uh, focused. Yes. Uh, each, each nation had a uh, peninsula uh, port-ish. Uh, and uh, the thing that I always remember about uh, Sakata is, aside from them being... Um, portrayed a lot on some flanking cards was that was referenced to their port. I don't remember if that's like, mm-hmm. uh, again, they don't really get a lot of focal point in the magic story. Um, so it's hard to uh, like know if that, like if they were more trade focused than others, but I do distinctly remember that coming up a bit more on their cards, flavor text. This is me trying to reach back to like 10 year old Amanda's brain. So um, <laughs> forgive me. Uh, yeah, uh, there, the, the northwest corner of Jamora is kind of this verdant area with a bunch of river deltas and trading things, uh, that goes into the Burning Isles, um, so, uh, yeah. Cool. Bless you. Uh, I think, uh, 
general world building notes. Oh, the Griffins. The Matenda Griffins yeah! are a thing. So, uh, Griffins are just like a huge part of Mirage Block for some reason. Um, and so these like half eagle, half jaguar griffins just exist in Jamora and are uh, a huge part of um, kind of a bit of nature reverence, but also uh, they can be trained for war or ridden as mounts. Uh, and so they're they're kind of one of the big important you know megafauna of uh, a lot of these uh, Jamoran cultures. Uh, which is kind of a, a neat little world building detail that uh, yeah, they're just on some out. cards, just chilling. Yeah, that's being there. majestic. Um, yeah, a little frightening. Not gonna lie. Yo, I'm sorry if you came at me on a war steed or a war griffin. Look, I, I, I can maybe talk to the horse. We could probably we could probably <laughs> have a conversation. Griffin ain't, ain't ain't effing around. I that thing is picking me up and like throwing me in the air like a ragdoll. Horses are scary enough as just like these mm-hmm. round little herbivores. Griffin's got big ass beaks and claws, and I don't want to mess with that. Horses will stomp you to death just because they're like you're in their way and they don't know better. But griffins will kill you and take pleasure in it. That's the difference. I mean, not saying a horse couldn't. Well, because they're hungry. You might not even see them coming because they'll just dive on you. Well, I mean, like a horse could probably also eat you, but they wouldn't like it. Fueling some people's nightmares currently. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen a horse just like pick up a mouse and eat it? I have not. No. I've heard about them doing that because they're technically omnivores. My Discord mm-hmm. rest. Oh, yeah. That's some function. Discord's a functional program. Look, it's better than Skype. I'll go, I'll go to my grave saying that. <laughs> I've, you're not wrong. But that's also a very low bar. Uh, when I was here last, you were you were talking about uh, your thoughts on griffins. I'm just saying that, you know, like, I, I'm more afraid of a griffin than I'll ever be of a horse. Uh-huh. I think yeah, that's we, fair. Yeah, we, we were basically in <laughs> all, uh, all agree with that. Um, Horses like, can no be question. scary, though. They, they, they will eat small mammals. I don't know if you've seen me. I'm 5'9 and 270 pounds. I do not classify as a small mammal. We good. <laughs> All right, so there's there's history to these places. Things have happened here, the Mirage War. I know a very little bit about the Mirage War because we recently sort of got some major players from it uh, in a core set. I think that was M20. 20? Yeah. Is 21? Yeah, because we got, got Karabek back. It's 21. Like Karabek, Mangara, and Jorel. Yeah, it was the one with like 20 different printings of Teferi. Yeah. 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 So, so I can do the first part of the, of the history, which is that Teferi faces out the island. So this is Teferi uh-huh. like shortly after getting out of college, if I'm not mistaken. This is like fill-in <laughs> knowledge. Uh, and my <laughs> guy, you know, after hanging out with his uh, with his best friend, Joira, is like, yo, time magic is kind of lit. And uh, is just experimenting with like time bubbles. And um, discovers phasing. In a not-so-subtle way, while phasing out a small island outside of Zalfir. At least it was his own island, you know? Yeah, and this was essentially his personal (laughs) island. Like, he phased it out. This is also for, you know, we're going to get to the Invasion War, but this is, like, also where, like, Teferi's moat comes from. It's like, he just kind of made his own island unstable with time magic, and it just pops in and out. Um... And uh, it's why he's uh, kind of not in the uh, Mirage War. Because um, 
He's uh, technically not on Dominaria at the time. He, he's technically the cause of the Mirage War because... He's not once, there. <laughs> yeah, because once he's not there to kind of stabilize the competing uh, leaders in the area, Karavik takes it upon himself to kind of manipulate uh, the whole situation so that he can attain a certain amount of power. Karavik is, is Jafar, for any of you who have seen Aladdin. Yeah, pretty pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, so we we have a link here to um, through the Wayback Machine to like uh, um, uh, archived article of character profiles from the Mirage War, and the Karavek section begins with this sentence: "Karavek is evil." Period. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? They're like, yo, if you just ask me to describe Karavek with like one word, I, I'm not. I'm pretty hard pressed to um. Use a different one. You can find, like, you can, there are worse, there are a lot of worse words to use to describe him, so. Man, I love the last sentence. He is a bully. His tone is generally threatening and often arrogant. He severely lacks a sense of humor, common among those with inflated egos. Egos. I will say one thing. I'm so glad that everybody in this war is black, and so it's not racist. Because Karabek is very much like the character of, like, the big black thug who just happens to know magic. Right? Like, if, like, if, like, if Teferi's the mystical Negro that, like, comes and is supposed to, like, save white people from their problems with magic and mysticism, Karabek is, is definitely the dude that, like, just, like, walks over and, like, kicks over your bike and then asks you for your lunch money. And then when you, like, tell him you're not gonna give you his lunch money, he, like, pulls up his shirt a little bit and you see the handle of a gun. And you're like, maybe I should give you my lunch money? <laughs> That's Karabek. Except without a gun, he's just got magic, which is arguably, you know, sensibly worse than a gun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Karabek was that guy, and he, he started this whole thing because Mangara was super popular with everyone around him, and so he started undermining Mangara and starts having all these people fight, and I believe Mangara gets trapped in... the Amber Prison. It also has a magic version. It does. It's not very good. <laughs> you keep going. I'm gonna go look this up now. <laughs> I think that's true of, like, every magic card from that era. There's, like, three or four that are, like, really good, and most of them are just like, oh, this is a card that you can tap, sacrifice, discard your hand, and gain two life. <laughs> like, that is typical of the time period. Oh, this but, is uh, awful. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what card I thought this was. This is not what I thought it was. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the kind of other major player in this is uh, Joel Rail, who is... Who's on a bunch of magic cards. Yeah, so, like, a big thing that's explained about these three characters is that they're all powerful mages that have very long lifespans. So Joel Rail, like, exists in the Mirage War, but then also exists by the time the Phyrexian invasion rolls around and, uh, you know, has been around before the Mirage War. And she's, like, in the prophecy block, right? Uh, yeah, she doesn't get a, a, a legendary future card till prophecy. Alright, I was, like, trying to get my brain straight. Because yep. she just exists forever, and I was really confused about it. Uh, and so, uh, she is this, uh, archmage who does nature magic. Uh, and she's kind of done the, I don't want to be part of, no, 
I don't want to live in a society anymore. Nature's where it's at. And she kind of goes and lives in the wilderness with a bunch of jungle jungle cats. Yeah, because she lives in like the rainforest of, of Jamora. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and so when you don't hang around the cities as much, I guess... Uh, I guess you just believe the crazy evil dude? Yeah, the, the very obviously evil dude uh, becomes your source of information. And so she, she kind of joins Caravec's side and uh, helps trap Mangara. And then and then she's like, oh, wait, this guy sucks later. Um, to be fair, there are two whole words in his bio before the word evil. So like... <laughs> well, I'm going to be very honest that like if I was Jarrell and like I haven't hung out with anything other than like Panthers and Shades... And, and jungle creatures. And then this guy's like, yo, so this Mangara guy, he's real popular in the city. And he wants to turn the jungle into more city. I would be like, oh, yeah, fuck this dude. Fuck this dude. But then I would like, I feel like anybody would then hang out with Karabeth and be like, I, I feel like anyone might be better than this dude. Like, this dude <laughs> clearly is not it. I think I've made a grave <laughs> misjudgment anybody but him <laughs> and and like the other important part is mangara is not from jamora he's from uh Karandor, which is an island north of jamora and so he's he's kind of a guy who's not from here who's trying to broker peace around here but not everybody knows that Kerbeck also isn't from here he's from out in the burning isles um so like it's kind of a mess um <laughs> like Probably you're not wrong. Like it's kind of the vibe. Like the Burning Isles are called the Burning Isles because there's just a lot of like shitty volcanic islands that suck uh, in in that area. So for those of you familiar with my other appearances, I just compared diversity, equity, and inclusion terms to like magic cards. But if, if you wondered what I do in my like everyday life, I just compare pieces of media to other pieces of media. Uh, so that's just going to keep happening. I'm just going to keep chiming in with uh, analogies for those of you who don't know about obscure places on uh, on Dominaria, like that's like helpful. Burning Isles. You know who I forgot is from uh, Jamora? I forgot Sisse's from Jamora. Yeah, and, and this is kind of her first story appearance. Uh, this is kind of the her and the weatherlight, and, and at this point the weatherlight has been constructed, but is generally just kind of a flying airship it doesn't have like the plane shift engine or the uh sarin power stone or any of the shit that makes it a yog moth obliterating machine later well because this is early in the adventure of collecting the legacy weapon mm-hmm. uh yeah and, and since is just kind of a uh a traveling you know an adventurer on a fancy airship uh and uh helps out um uh, helps Dorel free Mangara and is kind of part of this war. Because uh, Teferi, trapped in his little time bubble, is sending visions uh, to heroes and being like, hey, I'm Teferi, and like, you people have to like fight this war and end this war, please, because I messed up real bad. Thank you. <laughs> and then they do it. Essentially, Sisse is uh, Han Solo. Yeah, sort of. Because uh, the Weatherlight's technically not even her ship. She like, Stole it? Hey, Han won the Millennium Falcon fair and square. <laughs> yeah! Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lando cheated, so Han cheated right back. It's fair. Again, you know what? That's 
that's a way to look at a series of information <laughs> about a franchise that I do not care about. <laughs> so basically, the Mirage War ends when Karavek is sealed inside the Ember Prison instead, and uh, thus everyone was like, yo, that guy was whack, and goes back to their daily lives. And it's not really ever explained, like, if Mangara has, like, forged peace. It's just kind of like, alright, the war's over, everybody kind of go to fairies back. Um... So that war we were thinking about doing, we probably should have pissed south the the planeswalker. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at the time of this. So the Mirage War ends in 4196 AR, and the invasion or Phyrexian invasion begins in 4205. So there actually isn't a whole lot of time between the end of that war and the beginning of the next. Well, no, I can't say the next one because the prophecy war happens. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't actually. We can just skip over the prophecy war and pretend it didn't. Can we just pretend that it didn't happen? There's some dope art that happened yeah. with that set, but like I'm okay with it not have happening. Yeah, for some reason there's a set where the Keldons go halfway around the world because they think they have this destined war. And then none of it matters. Yeah, they kinda go they kinda go manifest destiny. They're like, yo, what if we took over Jamora? And Jamora's like, the fuck are you guys from? Yo, somebody come get your Kelding men. They, uh, they need a talking to. <laughs> um, and yeah, that brings us back to, I guess, uh, a, a thing we mentioned earlier with the, the Phyrexian invasion and the whole Teferi going peace out. Uh, well, I think my favorite part of this whole plan of Urza, and this kind of like sums up Urza and Baron as like characters so extremely well, is at no point when like Urza's doing this like century long right, like, plan to fight the Phyrexians. You know, he, he's he got the Legacy mm-hmm. Project, he's got the Legacy Bloodline with, uh, you know, both Korvac, uh, what's it, not the, guy who becomes a vampire, Black Duke, Korvac. Korvac. and then you've got Gerard, right, two two Bloodlines of the of the Legacy um, Project. Uh, all of this thought, right? He doesn't think for a second that Teferi wouldn't be about his bullshit. He's like, he plays- well, Teferi's his student. Yeah. And it's his subordinate. Yeah, like, obviously, he would listen, right? Hubris is a, it's a hell of a drug. It is. It's just, like, in context, because I read the invasion story and then, like, went back and bought, like, the collection of short stories that came out, because there's, like, two of mm-hmm. them. And then I started reading all of the other books. I'm, like, real surprised that Urza, with his whole chest, sold up to Zalfir and was like, so y'all gonna fight this war for me. And, um, the rest of the countries just, like, are too dumb. To help me, so like I'm really counting on you, here. and and that's just a whole. I want to know what he was smoking that day. He was Urza. He just he just does that. I really do because like I don't know the fact that he was real surprised that Teferi was just like, nope, I am taking my whole country, the country next to it, and half of Sakata, and we we dipping. And Urza's like, well, shit, this kind of. I, I was not expecting this. Guess it's back to Plan Nine Titans uh, <laughs> going to going to Phyrexia and blowing it the fuck up. And he's like, hey, Teferi, you want to get in this mech? And Teferi goes, what on earth would make you think I'd get in that mech? <laughs> he's like, all right, Teferi, what if I leave Zalfir alone, but in exchange, you pilot a mech that you are half of the battery of? So uh, that that worked out really well for the rest of the nine titans. I'll tell you that. 
No um, one I mean, lived, right? <laughs> it well, sure did not. No, Freya Lee lived. You have... Uh, did Dawn live? No. Who who lived? I think it was... Commodore Gruff does not live, and it's the saddest thing well, in history. No. no, he lives until the end of the, the, the war, and then he starts rewriting history, and then he dies after that. Um, so Freya Lee's Commodore Guff... Um, when Grace dies, I know that. When Grace dies during the the mending, doesn't he? No, yeah. When Grace survives until the mending. Wow, I'm real bad at this. Yeah, I'm trying to. When I, Grace I pulled and, out my book. I'm trying to find the passage of when uh, Teferi tells uh, tells uh, Urza eat my shorts. Talks with Teferi er, with Urza on page one sixty seven of Invasion about phasing out Shiv with Joira. I think. But it's earlier that he phases out Zalfir. Yeah. It's like, I'm on page 70, that, yeah, so we're, we're getting there. Shiv is the last thing, the last conversation that they have before he phases everything out and he's gone with Joyer and they we don't see them again until time spiral. But yeah, it, it's, uh, Uh, I believe it's just Wind Grace and Freya, because Boulevard dies uh, protecting, um, uh, Ethan Sheaths, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's, it's... Daria and Christina are killed by Teversat. Zat is killed by a Titan engine to power the soul bombs. Guff is killed when Yogmoth manifests as a cloud. Uh, Taser is killed, I believe, on Phyrexia. Cloud, by the way. Um, and uh, Urza is killed when the legacy is activated. So you have Good. roughly was it four of them survived the trip to Phyrexia and the engines and got back and then did other things after the fact. I have a real question. And I know that, like, this has nothing to do with our topic for the day. If if you knew Urza, <laughs> and he came up to you and was like, yo, so I built this mech that's, like, partially powered by our Planeswalker Sparks, uh, and my goal here is that we're going to go to Phyrexia, where no one has ever been before, uh, and we're going to blow it the fuck up. How many of you would volunteer for this mission? The moment Urza approached me, I would have left. <laughs> he would not have gotten a single word out of his mouth. <laughs> It would have been in, you know how like when, when you get a call and you answer the call and the first thing you hear is, we're here to talk to you about your car's extended work and you just hang up. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. it would have just like that. Like Urza would have walked up and said, <laughs> I have created a mech and I would have been instantly planeswalked to anywhere. <laughs> this is why Judas gets a mech and you don't. Because he said yes. <laughs> and so and look how that turned out for him. The whole point of Judas being there was... For him to be a bomb, yeah, exactly. Which he, he I still don't the, believe. The, the I still don't believe that's a fair, that that Urza was like, "Yo, I've planned so far ahead." Ninety chess motherfuckers, you are here specifically to betray and get most of us killed, just so I have an excuse to use you as a bomb. He he sure does say. I'm okay with Daria and Christina getting murdered because now I'm justified in killing Zot. When he could have just killed Zod, Zod was already a really bad person. Exactly! This is why I'm saying, like, if he was like, yo, so, like, I've got a panther and this lizard dude, and everybody knows that this lizard dude's a fucking asshole, I'd be like, yo, where's that? I'm good. Um, you have fun with that? <laughs> or, uh-huh. or I wish you luck? Whatever comes first? Um, as a planeswalker, I'm not really that attached to Dominaria, like, there's some oh. other places I can go. 
Probably. But but see that that that's that's you because then there's people like myself who I, I would like I would at least give them an ear. Like Would would you have gone? <laughs> yeah, if like because I'm looking at it from like my my favorite planeswalker is Fraley's because I'm mm-hmm. an elf person, mm-hmm. you know, right? So elf player, I get it, I get it. Continue. Yeah. So she has people that essentially worship her as a god, and she's looking out for them, and she cares for them, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she knows all these people are going to be better off if Urza's plan works and Phyrexia is destroyed. So mm-hmm. I'm willing to go with him as far as all right, sure, let's do this, and hopefully succeed in the mission and then if it fails or if shit goes sideways i'm out and that's how brian died to tevish thought yep that, yeah that, you, you were you're, you're, you're not you, wrong you were the you were definitely the motherfucker who dies to tevish shot i'm sorry man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I go into it with a healthy amount of skepticism i'm never getting close to tevish shot because i don't trust him meanwhile i'm over on like and uh what is it, Tarkir? Just like kicking back with some dragons, like you hey. phased out your your your, <laughs> part, your new house. That's what what happened there. So exactly, I'm definitely Teferi right, in the story. I definitely am phasing out and just <laughs> peace. I'm doing things for the greater good, and if I die, I die. But I I die doing the trying to do the right. However, thing. there's a big problem with Teferi's plan of saying no to Urza's bullshit, which is uh, phasing yeah. out part of Shiv and. The vast majority of a of a mana rich part of a continent causes some problems. Uh, he sure did create two big tears in space time <laughs> doing that. Nah, they're like small. They're like it. It didn't cost all planeswalkers until the end of time being literal gods or anything fixing it. Uh, so so I I guess the we'll fast forward to this little Zelfir specific part of uh the great mending happens uh at the end of the rift crisis. Teferi and Jorira phase back in, but Shiv and Zelfir can't. Uh and you know, they go on their adventure with Jessica and Venser and Radha and Bolas for a little bit. Um Closing time rifts, and uh, Teferi loses his spark, phasing Shiv back in, because it literally takes uh, all of his Planeswalker power to close the rift and, like, restabilize the timeline around Shiv. Uh, and then he goes, well, crap, now I can't do that to, to Zalfir. Uh, and Jessica's like, no worries, I got this, closes the rift and leaves Zalfir phased <laughs> out. Saved it for you, dude. And Teferi's just like, hmm. Remember that time you and pulled then, uh, my hair in math class? We're even. <laughs> so so then uh, we, we do get uh, a lot of angst from Teferi and a lot of stories in the Dominaria story where he's like uh, being hunted by a former like person, Ephemereth, who's like, hey, you're a terrible person. You destroyed Zalfir. Uh, <laughs> and quite know, a day. Yeah. Teferi is like dealing with all that. But uh, we do get recently... In the story Tangles, the Hugo Award nominated short story by Sean and McGuire, uh, we do get kind of an insight to what may be the future of Zalfir when Teferi learns a little bit about untangling magical mistakes from our uh, our favorite tree planeswalker, <laughs> Ren. Only tree? Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, okay, she does other things all, too. Ren is a dryad, not a tree. She's a tree, anyway. Tomato, she potato. Has, <laughs> she has a max. tree. That's true. I can't wait for Ren and Eight, her newest stream. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where we're possibly heading. 
Um, Dominaria United sounds like a great set where maybe uh, Teferi learns how to undo his little tangle that he made. Um, I want a boom comic about what's been going on in Thalfir uh, in the... Well, I'm imagining it's just been... I'm just imagining it's just been, like, in a time bubble. Like... So do you think you just, like, don't exist? Are are you just, like... Are you just, like... So this is the thing that, like, I never understood about time bubbles, especially, like, as it pertains to phasing. Is time just, like, frozen in there? Or are we talking, like, City of Condor, uh... Superman style, where, like, it's there and people are, like, living their lives, but, like, not interacting with the rest of the known universe. I don't know if we have a specific answer for... Because when they pop out for the time spiral story, it feels like they're just like, alright, let's, like, let's let's get out of this time bubble real quick just to see what's good. And they're like, oh, um... Yeah, I don't know if they were just phased differently from the rest of the thing, but you, it, the, the beginning of the book makes you think that there is some acknowledgement of the passing of time they just don't know how how fast things have moved yeah uh teferi and joy are like hey we popped out and it seems things seem weird oh crap it's been 300 years that wasn't the plan yeah because their time bubbles act differently because i always because like isn't phasing like slow time well no like the the time bubbles and phasing are like different like it's not exactly the same thing it's they also got like corrupted by the rift crisis and, and that which is like part of the problem so like we don't have a lot of insight to like what is actually happening in Zalfir. oh I, I was about to say at the time but it's like at the not time <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we'll get those answers one day i can't say anything about the future of magic story um yeah uh we've been recording for a while I'm now sorry. and i think we've covered no no it's just i'm just trying to We've covered most everything about Zalfir and and Dramora as like a larger extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like if we want to do final thoughts, I would like to hear some final thoughts about like what we hope for from a future of magic if we do get Zalfir and we do get Northwest Dramora to basically come back into the story. Um, what we're hoping to see in Magic Story when we get this like you. When Wakanda shows back up, essentially. I what do we really, want from those stories? Well, so this is why, like, as somebody who's a little bit removed from, like, magic, modern magic, like, I know sets come out, I buy record mm-hmm. singles, I call it a day. Um, I kind of mm-hmm. really want the scene in Endgame. If, like, I know that, like, it's being hinted at that uh, we're, we're fighting the Phyrexians again. And I, I really mm-hmm. want the scene in, M- in Endgame where uh, Tellum Tor... That is who I'm assuming is uh, just like pops out of the time bubble, you know, phases in, and their version of I- of Ibambe is starting to be chanted because they totally know what's going on. We're gonna we're gonna forgive all that, but I can see I can literally see a world where the Teferi Joira Jaya Ballard part of the story of of what's go of uh, Dominaria United leading into. You know, because it's supposed to be take place over a couple of sets, uh, our new Phyrexian War, are uh, trying to un-F the Zalfir situation. Because you have to remember, I, I'm going to be very honest with you, I doubt that Dominaria has caught up at all to Zalfir. <laughs> Te- no. Technologically they, they rise. They so haven't like, because there's been a bunch of catastrophes since then. So, so I can clearly see, like, this. they don't have Urza anymore. Thank God. The, Legacy weapon is definitely not functional. Uh, and they're like, yo, you know what could probably help this war? Zalfir. 
So we have we have we we make a splinter team. They're trying to solve the situation, and I hope I get me like a modern Tor card or um, what's her name, the the Faramith, uh holy person, uh, Asmira. Like I, I just really want to to have my 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 favorite homies be on some actually usable magic cards. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Zalfir saves the day because that's what Wakanda does. We we we, we pop in. We look at all the white people nonsense, and we go, all right, I guess we got to clean some shit up. Sam, here's a new Captain America suit. You know, Sophia puts the Band-Aid on everything. And then there's, like, future story of, like, the self of the uh, Sophia and people being like, yo, Teferi, we need, a, we need to have a talk with you. <laughs> um, you kind of didn't consult with us when you blinked us out of existence. And um, we just want to have a chat. Just, you got to have the consent talk. Yeah. But I, I I would like for it to be to go kind of endgame esque where like they realize that they need the technology of Zalfir. Zalfir is brought back to Jamora, and uh it is the armies of Zalfir that turn the tide against Phyrexia. That is my hope. I'm just gonna step in and say no comment because I know how all this goes already. <laughs> you can't do that to me. <laughs> oh I can't. I mean, this, this is our life. But I can also be mad about it. <laughs> oh. This is this is what we have to live with. Me and Brian here and Carrie when they're on the cast. We we don't know the future, but we have Jay and Lorelai who do. And so this comes up all the time. So what what is your um, hope for Zalfir? And are, are you with me in like Project Endgame? Yeah. Well, I'm. I hope that we get Zalfir back. I hope that Zalfir uh, like is sort of like the answer to what's going on in Dominaria because it would make sense. Like even if they've been phased out and just been like non-existent for a long time when they pop back they're ready to fight a war against phyrexians that seems really convenient when the phyrexians are invading again well i mean remember that whole continent was down to fight them in the first place (laughs) so like they're like oh it's the first war i personally hope that we get a lot more story and cards just from this region uh because like we had visions and we had mirage and like those were cool uh, I was not playing during that time. I didn't read a lot of the, the novels, but like I look back on that and I go, wow, this is like a really interesting piece of magic lore and like Dominaria that we just don't have a lot of. And so I hope we get to like revisit that and we get like a future where we have a lot of like cards set in Zalfir in like commander products and and like in sets and things like that. I think that would be really we cool. We have one Zalfir in card in commander products. Yeah, it's, there's not a lot. The the guy that gives creatures a power two or less uh, can't be blocked by creatures. Uh, well, Sadar Jabari. Yeah, he is, uh, he's also in our handy-dandy Wayback machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dad. Wait, so, what? That's my hope. I Yeah, that's Volrath's dad. Um, I, I hope we get not just, like, their reintroduction to Magic Story, but also, like, there we get an enhanced focus on it and we get to see more of it because you know we, we haven't for years just just to clarify siddhar jabari is somebody different than siddhar kondo who is yeah but they're both from he's wait what did what did i say Sidar. you said siddhar jabari i but... i meant i meant kondo for the card did yeah, i say yeah. jabari i yeah. because uh, we're talking about yeah, there, there is a siddhar jabari but siddhar, siddhar kondo is well I assume that's who you meant yes. when you said it, so I just went with yes. it. Um, 
Because I had the character profile page open, and yeah, Brain did the thing. So, uh, Brian, what are what are your last thoughts on Zafir and the future of magic? I'm expecting a uh, Lord of the Rings, the uh, ghosts getting summoned. So, I'm expecting Zalfir to arrive just in time to help thwart the invasion. That's what I'm expecting. But, uh, I'm expecting <laughs> a route <laughs> of Phyrexian forces by the, by the, the, um, Zalfirin military right as things get their most dire. And then Sabarjarari and Kellen Torch show up, and they're like, what's up, guys? Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I really am I'm hoping for that to be in Dominator United. I, if I have to wait another set for this, I'm going to be super upset. And I want Koth to show up right afterwards. That, that's what I want. Yo, I'm sorry. Uh, I hate to tell you this. Koth is either completed or dead. Look here. No. 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 <laughs> Not unacceptable. Not at all. Sorry. I, uh, well, you know, I, I, I hate to break it to you. Completed or death. No. There's no way Koth gets exactly one card before he gets completed. <laughs> I, I feel like I need to step in here and say uh, we don't need to fight over this <laughs> um, because yes, uh, Mom. we'll find out. We'll find out in like a few weeks because we get Dominari United story starting on like August 10th. A weekend? It's like a week and a half until or like a little under two is weeks right? from day of from point of release, yes. I think. It's like yes, two. it is uh when Wednesday the tenth and it ends on Thursday the eighteenth. Uh, so the entire Dominaria United story is going to be out in a week and a half and last for a week and then the preview start and uh, it's exciting. I'm excited for this set. Yeah. Um, I know less about it than some of the other sets coming up in the future, so um, <laughs> I got a, a little little more excitement there. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I guess uh this is the the point where I'm going to segue us into the end. I uh, hope folks have enjoyed uh, listening to uh, all this talk about this corner of Dominaria. And uh, again, a huge thank you to Amanda for coming on our show and talking all about this. Uh, it's been great having you here. This has been a really fun episode. Um, and uh, so uh, all the listeners out there, if uh, you have your own thoughts about uh, what you want to see for Zalfir in the future uh, and want a place to be able to talk about that, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast because everyone who supports us gets access to our Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are prepping for a new influx of lore and stories and cards and characters. And this is like a new preview season. Uh, you know, we haven't we haven't been in endless preview season for a little bit now. Uh, and, and so uh, that's that's going to happen soon. And so if uh if you want a great community of uh, wonderful folks uh, who like the things you do, uh, we've got that. Uh, and we want to thank uh, everyone out there who uh, supports us on Patreon and listens to the show and tells your friends about us. And just like enjoys the things we have to say and talks to us on the Internet because y'all are great. Uh, so thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.